Smile one more time at your neighbor and you may be seated. I love Easter. I love resurrection. Somebody told me one time I shouldn't celebrate Easter. I said, well, you don't believe in the Bible then. Easter's in the Bible. If you didn't need, know that, you need to go read it. It's mentioned in the book of Acts. But Easter is what makes Christmas have meaning. Without Easter, it's just a baby that is born and dies. Calvary's story is insufficient in itself. The cross by itself is insufficient. But what gives power and credence to, to Christmas is the fact that Jesus arose from the grave. Unlike any other individual, he got up. That means that everyone in this house can get up as well. You can get up and have peace in your mind. You can get up with hope in your soul. Michelangelo, the famous painter one time, observed. He said, why are all the art galleries asphyxiated on pictures of Christ hanging on the cross, of Christ dying? He said, why do the artists concentrate upon a passing episode? It was just a few hours that he was there. It, but to the end of unending eternity... Christ is alive forevermore. Oh God, let us ever be thankful for Resurrection Sunday morning. In fact, the book of Romans says it this way, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Your salvation is tied to Resurrection Sunday. If you don't believe in resurrection power, then the Bible says that salvation cannot come to your house. Look what 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way and verse number 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep, Christians that have died, they're just going to perish. The worms are going to eat them up. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. If your only hope is to get a better job, if your only hope is to live disease-free, if your only hope is just to raise good kids, you're miserable because this life is not what it's all about. There is something beyond this world. It is called the eternal life, and you've got to have resurrection power in your heart and life. Look at verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. You know what that says? Uh, that just like Jesus got up on resurrection day, uh, you're going to be the first fruits that follow after his examples. Uh, he did it first and in like manner, uh, we're going to get up again on that glorious getting up morning. Uh, 
Hallelujah. What a day that's going to be. Now, Jesus talked about this quite often. He says, as Jonah was but three days in the belly of the well, so the Son of Man is going to be but three days. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. When Jesus was speaking with his disciples in Matthew chapter number 16, He was telling them that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, and then he would die and be raised again on the third day. Then Peter looked at him and rebuked the master and said, Master, be it far from thee that thou would suffer and die and be raised on the third day. And to that Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be it of be of God. Check this out. When Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, his first message that he preaches is about the resurrection of Jesus. Before he preaches Acts 2.38, he takes a, a verse from the book of Psalms that talks about the resurrected Savior would not see corruption. Peter learned his lesson. And just a side note, you know what Paul's first message was? The exact same scripture that Peter's first message was from the book of Psalms that said that his body would not see corruption because because he would rise again from the dead. I'm so glad that we are celebrating. One more time, would you just put your hands together and thank God that the grave cannot hold him. Hallelujah, he's alive. So before... Jesus resurrected. It was a place of death and sadness when you would go to the cemetery. Tombs and burial places became became destinations because they would build these, these great edifices, much like the Taj Mahal. It was a burial tomb for his wife. If we were to go to Egypt, we would want to see the pyramids because it was a tomb of where their great ones died. Tomb raiding is a big deal because oftentimes they would put jewels and valuables. They would put food inside of these tombs because from every generation, the Bible said that God has placed eternity in the heart of man. And they would prepare for what were to come after them. If we were to go to South America, there are incredible tombs of the uh, Aztec Indians and, and uh, the Inca Indians. We, we would go to uh, uh, other places of the world, China. And you see the Ming Dynasty uh, and the beautiful, opulent uh, structures of architect. But if you were to go today to Israel, I sent a picture up there if they could have the picture of the tomb. Just a few months ago, we took a, a picture of a tomb. This is actually inside of the tomb and you're really forbidden to take pictures uh, I'm not saying I did take it or didn't take it. Uh, 
Give me the picture of the outside, the other tomb. It's just a hole in the wall. It is not something that is magnificent as far as architectural design. It wasn't something that was magnificent because of even what it contains. But conversely, what makes this tomb better than any tomb you have ever seen before is what's not in it. The fact that this is greater than Taj Mahal is the fact that it's empty. He is not here. He's risen. He's greater than death. In reading through the Gospels and the stories, I would like to highlight the backdrop of resurrection today, the context of resurrection today. As we begin to look at the time preceding resurrection, when your great Savior hung upon a cross from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock for three hours, the Bible said that the world became dark, the sun was darkened. This is not an eclipse because Passover always takes place at a full moon. This is an act of God as the payment of your sin and my sin is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin. If I were to ask if there was a murder in the house today, uh, if someone was brave enough, uh, they would say, that was me. Jesus took that. In this house, an audience this size, the most grotesque of sin probably is represented here. Jesus died for you. And in one blinding moment of time, uh, the heavens turned out the light as the man, the spotless lamb, Christ Jesus, hung upon the cross and felt the penalty and the guilt and the shame of your sin, the one that you promised you would never do again and you've done 10 times over and over again. But it was during that time that the heavens were darkened. We live in a generation when the enemy's goal is to take away the light of light. The enemy wants to put hopelessness in your life. He wants to put darkness into your faith. He wants there to be a shadow over tomorrow's bright future. Hopelessness is when you have no expectation of anything good coming down your dusty road. Hopelessness is when you're surrounded by pain. It is a foreboding loneliness. When you are hopeless, you feel abandoned by God. When you are hopeless, it's it's dark outside and you have no answers. There's no light. There's no laughter. There is no hope. It's gloomy. You're defeated and you're just empty. There's more pain than progress. You have more foes than you have friends. There's more bad news than good news. But I'm here to tell you that Calvary happened in a place of Golgotha, the place of the skull. 
He came to your place where your brain wreaks havoc on you to take away your hopelessness and put hope and light and life and peace inside of you today. In fact, I preach to you from the word of the Lord that there are no hopeless situations because of resurrection. There may be people that have lost hope, but there are no hopeless situations. So come with me. It's still dark out. Put all the gospels together. There's probably a band of five ladies led by Mary Magdalene. They set off early in the morning before the sun comes up. They grab their spices. They head out that dirty, dusty road outside of the city gates. They're going to finish the job. It's not a fun job, but they're going to anoint the body of Jesus. And as the sun begins to rise, there's shadows that are cast across the landscape. And as that sun arises, it does not compare to the shadows of their heart. Conversation is very subdued. The mood is very somber. It's sad. They walk along that path kind of just motionless. They, They walk along and there's just a blank stare. As they go, they hear the screams. They wish they could shut it off. But the screams, that mutilated body of our master, the mob, the sarcastic screams, if thou be the Christ, come off the cross. He saved others, but he can't save himself. And as they they top out on a rise. Perhaps the sun has enough uh, uh, a light now that they can see the three crosses. Nobody's taken them down yet because of the holy day. And, and so they see, yes, right there, that middle cross is where he bled and died. It was a horrendous reminder of the horror of that moment. Your Bible talks about a lady that lived right on the Sea of Galilee in a little town called Magdala. Her name was Mary, and at one point in her life's journey, she became possessed, and Jesus, when he cast the devils out of her, cast out seven. She was an influential lady. She was a lady of of great means, and she dedicated her life to following the Lord. From village to village she would go and she would would support him morally with her presence and she supported him financially uh, with her monies. And she was there, there very close to the cross when he died. Not only did she serve him in his life and down to his, the very cross, but now at the tomb, she is leading the way once again. She loved him in life and she loved him in death. But I promise you, Mary Magdalene was in such a dark place. Confused, yes. Bewildered, of course. Shocked and frightened and heartbroken, yes. Without hope, yes. Much like many people in this house today. But I thought it was going to turn out different. I thought life was going to be so different 
When I was a teenager and I thought of myself as a 30-year-old, I thought life would be so different. When I got 30 looking towards my 50s, I thought life would be so different. Is this really what life has to offer? Is this really as good as life gets? I thought it would be so different. I felt his power. I heard his promises. I was sincerely a woman of faith, but here I am now uh, going to a tomb uh, burying every hope that I had in life Uh, and John chapter 20 and verse 11 says she stood without the sepulcher weeping and as she wept she stooped down and she looked into the sepulcher and she saw two angels in white sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain and And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Here we have the narrative that she's weeping because of an empty tomb. She is weeping because she cannot find the master to anoint his body. Watch now. And it never dawns on her that he was risen. Yes, she has all of the facts right. He's not there, but she has not come to the right conclusions. And I preach to somebody here today. You may be in a dark, shadowy place. You may have all of your facts lined up. Life has been brutal to you, and life did not work out the way you thought it should work out. But I ask you a question today. Perhaps you haven't come to the right understanding of the full picture because at Mary's darkest hour she was closer to the resurrection than she could have ever, ever imagined. Verse number 14. When she had said thus, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why are you crying? Whom do you seek? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith, Sir, if you have borne him hence, if you've taken and removed him, tell me where you have laid him that I will take him away. You see, Mary needs to learn that even though you may not understand it with your natural eye, even though you may not be able to understand it with your human eye, Jesus was closer than she could have ever imagine. Hear me today. God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you. You may be looking right at your answer. It was, he said, I am the fullness of love. She was looking at love and didn't even realize it. He said, I am the prince of peace. It was having a conversation and she didn't even realize. Mary thought it was her worst day, but she was a half a step away from being the greatest day of her life. That's what I call hope today. That's what I call light today.
Could it be that we're closer to him when we feel abandoned and most alone through the dark valley? And notice what Jesus said. He didn't say, what are you looking for? He said, who are you looking for? Because she was just looking for a corpse. But he said, I want to give you something that is alive. Not a what, but a who. So he turns to her and calls her by name and says, Mary. She recognizes his voice. And in that just one interaction, he's saying so much. He's saying, the grave did not hold me. I've come back from the dead. I've already led captivity captive. I've already captured the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He said, I still know who you are, Mary. I still love you. I still claim you as one of my own she knew his voice and so on this Easter Sunday I've come to borrow from the words of the angel and say why are you weeping this morning because the prince of peace has resurrected good news good news today he is alive forevermore and resurrection is closer than you could ever imagine Hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Eskew's excited about resurrection power. So the resurrection validates the claim of the cross. The cross was so inhumane that Roman citizens were not allowed to be crucified. It was only foreigners and the worst of criminals that were ever hung on a cross. It was a symbol of agonizing death until Christ, the spotless lamb, hung upon that cross. Now the cross is a symbol of hope and life and forgiveness and the greatest act of love. Yes, the song still sings. I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. In fact, Spurgeon said it this way. My entire theology can be condensed into four words. Jesus died for me. I know they call it Good Friday. It's a cute little cliche, but it could not paint the picture of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus paid that day. I'm so thankful that when he uttered his voice, it is finished. It was a term that was represented in three areas. You would say it is finished when you completed a business deal. You would say it is finished in the court of law. You would say it is finished when you went to battle. When your debt was fully paid in the court, in business rather, and when you went to the court system and your sentence was fully served and in the battle, when the battle was finally won. I believe all three of those was fulfilled when Jesus said it is finished. The debt of sin was paid and the punishment of sin was paid and the battle against sin was paid in Genesis the Bible says 
that God says it is finished and he rested after creation. But on the cross, when he said it is finished, we now have rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give. If you're still heavy today, it's because you're missing out on resurrection power. Let him carry the load today. Come with me to Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. Who was delivered, everybody say delivered. For our offenses and was raised again. Say raised again. For our justification. Get this now. His resurrection proves that you and I can be justified of our sins. What does that mean? Just as if you had never committed that sin. Because of Resurrection Sunday, some of us got up today and such were some of you, adulterers, fornicators, unclean, lasciviousness, uh, goes down through the list there of all the works of the flesh and such were some of you, uh, but now you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified uh, by the power of the name Jesus uh, and because he resurrected, we now can say we're without sin, thanks be to God. Is anybody redeemed in the house today? Has anybody had their sins covered by the blood of Jesus today? That's what we do on Resurrection Sunday. Every weakness can be redeemed. Every shortcoming, every frailty, all your human nature and weaknesses can be justified, the Bible says, because of his resurrection. But the greatest hope that we have is that like as Christ was raised, we too are going to be raised Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 one more time. Behold, I show you a mystery, verse 51. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This corruptible will put on incorruption, and this mortal will put on immortality. So then this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting and O grave where is thy victory Romans 8 and 11 but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth 
in you. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not as others uh, which have no hope. Oh, yeah, the Bible says, uh, even as uh, verse number 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which were believers uh, that have now are in the grave, even those that have slept in Jesus, uh, will God bring with them, verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord, that have resurrection power on the inside, will not prevent or go before them which are asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Would you thank God for it today? So I preach to you good news. That's the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. He rose from the dead. The devil could not stop it. The devil could not hold him. Death has lost its seeing. The grave has lost its power. Stones could not hold him. Death could not keep him. He's alive forevermore. That is the good news. If I die today and Brother Mark gets my body and you bury me out at sunrise, you put born July 30, 1970, you died on Easter 2023, then you put a dash and say, it's only temporary. Come on, believers. There is a hope beyond this life. There is a hope beyond this grave. It's a temporary home. Goodbye, world. Goodbye. So the resurrection validates the claim of the cross. The resurrection validates that you can be justified from your sin. The resurrection validates that you too, like him, he was the first fruits, are going to be resurrected in like manner. And then finally, the resurrection gives us confidence that every other promise he has ever made is going to come to pass. I told you and gave you text proof that Jesus talked about going to Jerusalem, suffering, dying, and raising again. He's not a liar. He's not a lunatic. He is the king of glory, and he's the only one that has ever risen from the grave. He is alive. There are none other that compare to him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I'm here to tell you, you can have 
resurrection, not just on resurrection day, but every area of your life, he'll give you overcoming power. Your dreams can resurrect. Your testimony can resurrect. Your ministry can resurrect. Your goals can resurrect. Your faith can resurrect. Your calling can resurrect. He said, I'll keep you from falling. I'll present you faultless and blameless on that day. Somebody say, I have that power inside. Say, he keeps me. Say, he raises me. Ephesians 1 and 19, and I'm almost done. Ephesians 1 and 19. And what is the exceeding greatness? Somebody say, exceeding greatness of his power towards everybody sitting in this house today who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He said, with that same working power that I use when I raise Christ's body from the dead, he said, I'm going to work in your life. Hey, friend, you're not doing this by yourself. You don't have to be smart enough. You don't have to be intelligent enough. In fact, the more you can lose yourself and find him, the better off you're going to be. And he said, that same power that I raised Christ out of the dead, I'm going to use that power for you to be an overcomer even in this life. Somebody say, I'm an overcomer by resurrection power. Okay, I said all that to say the next two or three minutes. Easter, Resurrection Sunday, means nothing until you stare death in the eye. Come on, friends. When it's your loved one in the casket, when you get the news on Facebook, the first thing you want to do is say, rest in peace. They're in a better place. Hear me today. We're at no funeral. I'm not casting stones towards anyone. But you've got to have resurrection power inside of your life to rest in peace and not to suffer anymore and to be in a better place. It's not just by wishing for it. You have to be born again of water and of the spirit. You've got to have the same spirit that raised up Christ to be in your heart and life. Being a good person is not enough. Just being better than the person down the road is not enough. Just abstaining from evil is not enough. You've got to have resurrection power in your heart. But when we buried our loved ones, Sister Sue, we're so glad she's in the house of the Lord today. And talking to Sister Sue, she kind of wanted us to pray she gets better. But she kind of wanted to go see her hubby that's waiting on the other side. I'm ready to go if God's ready to take me. Because there is a hope when you have resurrection power on the inside of you. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. 
you have to access that power. You have to reach out and apply that power to your life. Christ will die in vain. The Bible says he dies in vain. Unless you take that and apply it to your heart and life. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is called obeying the gospel. The Bible says we must obey the gospel. Death. Burial, resurrection, repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of God's spirit. But what an anchor to the soul. As she had a heart attack the other day and was in, uh, in the emergency room. And they're running the stress test. And they're doing the blood test. Is she going to make it? Was the heart damaged? It's an anchor for the storms of life. What are you going to do? Threaten me with the presence of the Lord? What are you going to do? Threaten me that you're, I'm going to go to a place where there's no sin and there's no sorrow and there's no heartache and there's no war and there's no crime and there's no hatred towards one another. That's what resurrection power means. But I implore everybody here today, if you don't like me, I'm sorry. If, if my approach is wrong, if I don't use colorful enough words, if I scream too much, if my voice gets on your nerves, please look over the messenger to the message. What I'm preaching about today is not an accessory. It's a necessity. In prayer, said, God, how can I help them understand that this is not just for a few good people in life? The best analogy that I can think of is that we're taking an airplane ride and the gospel is like a parachute. And either the plane is going to crash or we're all required to jump out. Putting on a parachute is cumbersome, I would imagine. It's difficult, I would imagine. Have that big old thing on your back and you just can't get comfortable. I'll be honest with you, sometimes the gospel is cumbersome. It would be a whole lot easier to sleep in on Sunday morning uh, and just watch the ball game or just do something else. Uh, but when you say, God, I want to put you first uh, because you're the most important thing in this life, it's cumbersome, it's heavy, it's difficult. Some people may say you're a crazy kook. Uh, some people may say you're taking things to the extreme until the engine stops on the airplane until you have to jump out. And if you're free falling today, ma'am, sir, I'm here to tell you there's still hope. Before destruction comes to your life, you can receive resurrection power in your life. That's why the gospel is not a suggestion, it's a commandment. 
Before I can tell you how wonderful grace is, before I can tell you how beautiful forgiveness is, you have got to understand the awful plight of being a human being, born in sin, shaping in iniquity, and that you're a rank, raw sinner. Your righteousness is filthy rags. The deeper you dig into who you are, the darker and the uglier and the stinkier it gets. We need a savior today. When you realize how much of a sinner you are, grace is that much sweeter. When you realize how defiled you are as a human, thanks be unto God. Oh, what a savior. What a savior. I cannot preach the parachute of grace until you understand the penalty of sin. My final point. Jesus tried to give it to a man that was called the rich young ruler. He inherited his wealth. He didn't work for it. He thought he could manipulate the situation like he did everything else, like a few coins in your pocket sometimes can buy power. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said something to him that he only said to him, no one else. For him, he said, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. It's not a requirement of salvation. It was a kingdom in his heart. He thought that money would answer all things. He trusted more in finances than he did in God. Watch what Jesus did not do. Final point. Jesus did not say when the rich young ruler turned his back, walked away sorrowful. Jesus didn't say, I'll meet you in the middle. Okay, okay, I know it's extreme. How about, how about I meet you in the middle? Sell half of what you have. Keep the others in a savings account just in case you fall on hard times. Jesus watched him walk. Because there is no halfway gospel. There is no convenient cross. It's all or nothing. But in the day when it counts, it means everything. When it's time, your time to come out of a plane, you have the parachute of a hope. You have the hope of eternal life. You have the hope in this world and in the world to come. I want everyone to have resurrection power today. I want everyone to have that hope of eternal life. I invite you to stand to your feet today and right where you're at would you just raise your hands to heaven it's a sign of surrender it's a sign of surrender when we don't hold cross our arms but we open ourselves and just say God I thank you for providing my parachute of grace today you helped me do what I could not do myself. You paid a debt that I could not pay myself. God, I could never be good enough to qualify for heaven. I could never do enough good deeds to qualify for heaven. My life is dark and gloomy. God, but your resurrection light comes, shows me hope of a new day.
Thank you for it. Let the Redeemer embrace you today. Let the Redeemer wash you today, rename you. Make you a new creature in Him. I remember when the renowned conductor was leading an orchestra. He had his most talented soloist singing the final rehearsal of Messiah. I know that my Redeemer lives. It was with perfection diction was exactly precise but it wasn't wasn't cutting it finally he had enough and he went to her and he says do you know that your redeemer lives she said yeah he said well sing like it something is different when you know that you know. See, we're not talking religion here today. It's all relationship with resurrection power. You can put the fish bumper stick on your car. You wear the cross around your neck. And put over your house, this home belongs to the Lord, love and laughter. But there's a difference of just doing right things and looking like a Christian. And when you know intimately resurrection power. So as he said to his soloist why don't you sing like it why don't you act like it you're redeemed today he loved you in your lowest he reached for you when your life was an embarrassment to yourself and other people and he never gave up on you he's never hung your sin over your head in fact when he deals with shame and guilt he turns the light out he, when he was dealing with the shame of the world he's not in this thing to shame you he's in this thing to redeem you and save your soul in my father's house are many mansions I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also it's resurrection we have candy rains we have drawings for pies but before we do any of that it would only be right if we honor him for a few moments I'm going to open this altar or if you want to just turn this entire sanctuary into a place of acknowledging him would you just open up your heart would you open your mouth if you've never repented of your sins you can repent of your sins today and obey the gospel if you've never ever been water baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and have the blood of Jesus cover them and wash them away we have water today that you can have your sins washed away 
If you've never ever received resurrection power, you can receive resurrection power today that will resurrect you in this life and on rapture day, that great catching away. It's Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. Perhaps you could turn to a neighbor and pray with them. You could lay your hand on someone close if you feel comfortable. Would you pray that they would experience resurrection power today? They would not be forgetful. The disciples forgot the promises. We're not going to forget the promises of God. All over this sanctuary, people are praying. Let the love of Christ flow through you today. It's not about joining a church. We're not asking you to join a church. We're not after your email and phone number. We're after the fact that you get connected with God eternally, personal relationship. Fill your life with light today.